Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Jacinta Tynan is an author and journalist. She's also the founder of the Spiritual Book Club and a woman I'm very proud to call friend. Jacinta is one of Australia's most experienced journalists and news presenters, with more than 25 years reporting and presenting in Australia and overseas. She recently published her fifth book, The Single Mother's Social Club, Inspiration and Advice on Embracing Single Parenthood. My conversation with Jacinta about life, longevity and wellness started last year when we both found ourselves at Kamalaya Holistic Wellness Retreat in Thailand. We had met before, but on Kamalaya, we became friends. On the podcast today, our conversation centers around spiritual awakenings, how the midlife crisis might be your best get-out-of-jail card, and tools for regenerating from the inside out. We also talk about the hidden gift of falling apart. Jacinta founded the Spiritual Book Club, featuring interviews with renowned spiritual and inspirational authors, and it's through this lens that she brings a beautiful perspective on the subjects of earning our stripes, the evolution from girl to woman, plus the generational imprints that we must outgrow. Passionate about social causes, Jacinta is patron of the Warrior Woman Foundation and an ambassador for Ray's Foundation, providing in-school mentoring to high school kids across the country. Jacinta is also a columnist, author, and mother to her two beautiful boys. I'm so thrilled to invite you to join us on this conversation as we explore spiritual pathways to ageless wisdom. This episode of Ageless by Rescue is dedicated in the loving memory of Tim Brown. Since recording this episode, we lost our friend, mentor, teacher, and we would like to warmly dedicate this episode in his beautiful memory. Oh, it's so nice when I get to have people I consider friends and compatriots mm-hmm. on the show. Jacinta, I'm so delighted to have you on the show. It's been a long it's, time coming. It's a joy to see us both with makeup on. Yes, I know. And I did do my makeup and I decided um, channeling a bit of uh, late 90s with a berry lip. Uh, we've come out of the fully matte phase and uh, but yeah, here we are. We've had so many great conversations and I, I was kind of anxious that I didn't want to miss bringing any of the great conversations we've had prior to this into this um, recording today because the conversation that I think both of us would love to share and invite other people to have with their friends is the one around dismantling identity, however you may come to that point in your life. Yeah, because we both met actually. I think we'd met before, but we got to know each other by coincidence at uh, Kamalaya Wellness Sanctuary in, in Koh Samui in Thailand, which is a very spiritual place, isn't it? It's a beautiful um, spiritual experience. And I was there doing the Embracing Change program where I was doing sessions with a monk 
called Sujay. And so I was in the middle of that transformation. And there's many transformations that we have in our life, right? But I was in the middle of that process when I met you. So that's why we had all those deep conversations. And I think the dismantling identity idea, it's something that can frighten us and we can put it off, but it'll come at you if you don't step into it. So we have a choice there, I think. We either step into that process or it's going to it's gonna hit us with a brick. And so I've had it hit me with a brick in my life and now I try to be ahead of it so that I can so that I can uh dismant so that I can step into the identity that is is aligned with my truth rather than something that the universe is going to throw at me and then I have to spend years recovering from that. I think it's really funny that I'm having this conversation with a woman who from the outside in would have been the very very much the poster girl for the Russian woman syndrome. So you were a very high profile news anchor on Sky News. You uh, had like the dream marriage from the outside in, two beautiful boys. Uh, You were gorgeous. You were MC for a lot of things. Um, You've written multiple books, a celebrated journalist. And you, you were kind of living the, you know, enlightened woman's dream. And yet, similar to you um, and many other women who are on the outside presenting as having it all and all at once, that wasn't the case. And I really, I didn't know that about you. I, I actually didn't know that about you. I still was reading the, you know, the top line press releases until I started. Uh, I, I know that you did a podcast um recently with Vogue but there was another podcast that you did with Powerful Steps where you started to talk about this change and then I met you and we had those powerful um that connection that instant connection and we had some really great conversations and we were both getting our spiritual advice and guidance from Sujay the monk at Kamalaya um place that I consider my spiritual retreat and a place that I've uh, gone back to when I've fallen apart for lack of a better word and also at times where I just wanted a boost of energy um so I'm going to ask you in your own words to tell the story of to pick it up from the external perspective of Jacinta Tarnan who's got the world at her feet to what happened next well when I hear you describe me like that I feel like you're writing a press release because I do not associate with that image at all, and I never did. So it's I never bought into that story that you're that you're talking. So if anybody else did, that's their projection, probably. Probably. Nobody, what's that? Probably, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I guess that strong women want to see other strong women, and we want to see someone living out the fantasy that we were sold. You know, when we were four, five, six, seven, eight, that. You can have it all, but not all at once. And we absolutely need to have a little mermaid side conversation after this, but go. Um, But yes, I did project my own fantasies on you because I wanted to see a woman my age who was at the top of her game, who, who had it all, because by the time I saw you, I wasn't that woman anymore. I relinquished um, the fact that I really wasn't her. (laughs) Oh gosh, there's so many, there's so many ways I want to go with this conversation. So I'm going to have to pick one. I'll just follow where my heart's going with this. But 
I think if, if you're talking about me personally, and I think this will resonate with a lot of people, as it always does, our stories are always universal. I have never, when I look back, been in alignment with myself ever. So anything anybody was seeing from the outside was me trying to keep it all together. And I don't mean the, the rushing woman syndrome you talk about. I don't mean time. I've never really had a problem with that, actually, especially since I learned to meditate. I can fit a lot in. So that wasn't my thing. It's just that I was not being true to myself on quite a number of levels. And I was ignoring those signs because it was all too hard to pull it apart. And it was all too hard to follow where my heart was saying that I should be going. That's without going into details, but it was pretty much picky, pick an area. And it was like that, aside from my children, aside from, because that's nature, right? So aside from giving birth to my two beautiful boys, 19 months apart, there was really nothing, not much else. <laughs> there are a few other things, but not much else that was in alignment. And I'd been living that way for a really long time. And and I wasn't happy and I hadn't I hadn't accepted that myself. And so it's when you start doing the work, as we call it, meditating, getting conscious and doing that work and peeling it all back after everything fell apart, which is when it's an invitation to do that work. That's when I realized that I, I've been uh, not living in my truth and that it was time to do that. And I know that's a cliche, the old living in my truth, but I know what that means now. I totally understand what you're saying. Uh I was exactly that girl myself. I was an immigrant. I tried on characters and personalities and tribes for size. I was always running to stand still. I have two ex-husbands. I was wildly different in each of those major relationships in my life. When I, I you know, I talked to you the other day about seven-year cycles. I, you know, I'm I'm really deep into this concept at the moment that just commenced another year, seven year cycle. And the last seven years were, whoa. And um, so I'm 49 now, I turned 50 in January. And I'm in that, you know, the sweet spot of the last six months of the first half of my life. And if you look at, you know, all the science, the science says we're going to live longer, we're going to live healthier, we're going to live and feel more youthful for a long time, which I'm super grateful for, because I do believe uh, I lost a lot of years being yeah. lost, not 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 knowing who what my truth was. And so for me, the past seven years were the years that dropped me on my ass, for lack of a better word. And I but I found myself and it it took a lot of work. And and I guess from the context of ageless, you know, I have a lot of guests on the show I have doctors that'll tell you how to plump up your skin. I have neuroscientists that will tell you about the, the map of your brain. I have nutritionists, hormone experts. But I wanted to have the spiritual conversation because part of the evolution, part of becoming ageless is, is owning your story, stepping into your truth and differentiating yourself as you go through the different phases of life. And I resisted it for a really long time. I wanted to stay in the maiden. And I think I had a midlife crisis. When I turned 42, I really am quite sure I had a midlife crisis. I was at Kamalaya, funnily enough, for my just before my 42nd birthday. I celebrated my 42nd birthday there. I fell in love with a guy who was, I think, eight or nine years younger than me at Kamalaya. 
we had this wild affair. He lived in The Hague. I lived in Sydney. My daughter was five at the time. He had a very tragic story. His wife had passed from brain cancer. And very sadly, his two-year-old son later passed from brain cancer. So we met at Kamalaya. We had this like spiritual, sexual, emotional, physical connection. And we both proceeded to have like this crazy romance all over the world. And it was, you know, played out against some pretty magical backdrops. And I mean, I lost myself. I complete, I wanted to lose myself. I did not want to go into my mother, my strong businesswoman. I was trying to really hold back and stay in, you know, in the madness. And I have an enormous amount of empathy for men who have these midlife crises because I had one. I had a textbook midlife crisis and it wasn't until, God bless this guy, Sebastian, he said, look, here's the reality. We can keep catching private jets and being on different islands for the next 10 years, no problem. I'm wealthy. I really like you. This is fun. But you do have a five-year-old and I don't think it's fair to you or the five-year-old to pretend that you and I are going, that I'm going to move to Sydney and I'm going to, you know, set up house with you. I'm I'm not that guy. I'm like, he was a gazillionaire. He, you know, he, he was spinning out from the losses of his life. And that, I mean, <laughs> I get it. I absolutely get why people have midlife crises and I didn't stop there. I backed up Sebastian with a, a relationship that lasted four years that was truly the, the most awful experience of my life, but also crazy, also crazy with a completely unsuitable uh, partner. But he was having his midlife crisis. I joined him on that rodeo and it was wild. And it wasn't until three years ago that, you know, I I stopped the merry-go-round. I got off the ride and I said, okay what's your truth and where are you going? And it's okay. You can leave the maiden behind and you can be a wise woman now. And it's going to be just as much fun. And it's actually going to be a lot better. Uh, where do you want me to go from there? <laughs> so like Kamalaya, say, all the way. My, Kam- my Kamalaya experience was very different to you. <laughs> I have been twice. I've sent many a friend to come lies and that place is littered with hot single guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the zone when I'm there. But it sounds like a, I was like, are we, are we in the same place? <laughs> I've, I mean, I've gone to Kamalai when I've had the full breakdown as well, you know, so it's, I, I've had lots of versions of me there. But, yeah, I mean, did you have a midlife crisis? Uh, when you were talking about that, I was actually reflecting, do I have that experience? As we do, we hear someone talk and we think, now, does that relate to me? I wouldn't call it that in those terms. I think that's sometimes just a label we put on things. What I believe happens is that we go in cycles and maybe it's seven years. Perhaps it is because I can see that in my life too. But I like to think of of life in terms of actually my meditation teacher taught me this and he talks about this where we're we're either in a phase of creation destruction or maintenance or call it renewal at any stage of our life that has brought me so much comfort when ever since I heard that distinction because 
it means that when things are falling apart all around us, it all seems to happen at once, doesn't it? That that is a phase of destruction and it needs to happen. So rather than resist it, we can go with that, sink into that and feel the feelings. Oh my and God, yes. I mean, that is realize, a really beautiful piece of advice, right? Isn't it wonderful? And it's so serving that that those three distinctions. And then it means that when you're in destruction, you can you can go with it and roll with it and then ask yourself, what are the lessons here? What do I need to learn? I'm in destruction. That's where I'm at here. Everything's falling apart. That happened to me. All my foundations were rocked one after the other all at once. But then what you're left with after destruction is an invitation to create from there. And we nature does this. Everything, nature goes in cycles. Everything falls apart. And then from there it can build. And that is what happens with us. We just don't know it. So if you can work with those cycles, it's a much more productive way of being and it means that we're not so much, we can get in flow and we're not so much fighting against it. And so then from that, from the rubble of the destruction, you can say, well, what do I want my life to look like? Whereas if you resist the destruction, you keep on going with it and it keeps hitting you and you don't see it coming and you can never really get out of it. And then that middle phase is that that they call it maintenance in this Vedic meditation terms, which I'm talking. That is that that time just to sit still. That's when you can just that go. That was it's the all- hardest bit for me. That was, and, it, it and I'm just going to interject yeah. and say, so your beautiful meditation teacher is my schoolmate from grade four, Tim Brown. And he <laughs> Amazing. is also the wonderful person that I turned to when my daughter was just pre-adolescence and she was struggling and it was just in the middle of or it was just after the pandemic and the lockdowns. And I wanted to give her one gift, a gift that my dad gave me when I was 17, which was Vedic meditation. And so I turned to Tim and I said, Tim, I would like you to teach Lily how to meditate. And Tim taught Lily how to meditate. And then you and I connected and Tim has been such a big part of your life. So I do think that everything counts. That's just an extraordinary piece of synchronicity. When those synchronicity moments happen like this, and even us being on the retreat at the same time, I just, I just love that. I just say thank you, thank you, universe, for that, for that little sign. And it's trusting that everything is working in our favor. You know, we hear that a lot in spiritual talk. Is you hear that the universe is working in your favor, or Gabby Bernstein says the universe has your back, and it seems like a. a uh, just a line to to trot out but actually if you can go with that and just try it on you'll see that it is the case even when things are seemingly destructive to use that word again or seemingly tragic there's always something we can learn out of it not that we would, would we would wish tragedy upon anyone or, or ourselves but when it happens there's always gold in there there are always Do you think, like going back to the idea of the seven-year cycles and, you know, that... You're really on that seven-year cycle. Well, I'm I'm on the... I'm really on the thing of the midlife crisis now that (laughs) I've remembered my own temporary insanity, complete with fast cars, yachts, private jets, young boys, all all of it. Like it was crazy. I I really leaned right into that phase of my life and it was fun. Um, But do you think that... It is that cycle that, you know, speaking about what Tim is also talking about in Vedic meditation, there is 
we're all experiencing this break and then this invitation to recreate at midlife. Do you think that there's some truth to it? Because we've kind of gone through the big ticket items of our life and then there we are, it's us. Yes, I think that it's happening all throughout our life if we look back, but in midlife, as you call it, and when is midlife? Because we don't know, but this is the traditional midlife where you and I are at. That's when it seems larger because there's more at stake. That's what I think. Often we've had children. If we haven't had children, usually a long-term relationship, careers that have been established. So there's a lot more that we've put. We've invested so much into the life that we've created. And then we're starting to face our mortality and we can see, oh, this is kind of the midpoint. This is it. So that can be frightening because if if what we've established to that point is not actually in alignment, with what we really wanted for our lives, from, from what our soul knew when we came here, I believe. Our soul knew when we came here what our purpose was. If we haven't fulfilled that, if we've got too far off track with that and not done the growth and not had the lessons and and not faced that, that truth and that authenticity of where we're meant to be, then that's when it can come crashing down and that's why it feels so hard and feels so tough because we think, that's it. And we can get those dramatic statements like, I've I've totally ruined my life. I've stuffed up my life because it seems too late. You know, in our 20s, 30s, even, even 40s, we can think there's still time. Absolutely. And now we start to think, is there time? Is Have I totally stuffed it? I believe there is time. I believe there's always time, so long as we're breathing and so long as we have awareness. My grandmother always says that to me. She goes, you know what, if I fell in love next week, I'd be happy for it. Why? What, as long as you're alive. The good things still count. So there's always time. There's always time. And I agree. I I do believe that. But when you are in that depth of self-questioning, when the veneer that even you've believed in comes off, there is that really sticky time, that period where sitting still hurts. It hurts. Would you agree? Did you have that experience? I the the experience that I had and I was kind of lucky that the pandemic came at the same time I you know I I aborted mission on my second midlife crisis relationship <laughs> uh which was I mean that was that that's a whole doozy in itself but and a lot of people have heard about that one but um I was lucky enough to have the pandemic on my side. So I then got to have that healing cocoon period away from society. Everything had come to a lovely pause. I was in my house with my daughter. You know, I was going back to basics, rebuilding myself, and I had the privacy to do so. Um, I wonder if that really sticky, awful period would have been much harder if it was at the normal time and the, you know, cut and thrust of life and that having to be on all the time. I was lucky enough to be able to heal and to go through that yucky part privately. Yeah, lockdown was a bit like that for me too, actually. I was one of the few people that I think was saying, I actually need this, bring it on, because I got to do that stillness, as you say, with the with the capacity of time, although homeschooling robbed me of that time. Oh, but I loved having Lily all to myself. I loved homeschooling. I, oh. I, I love the whole thing. It, Lucky you. That time gave me everything 
that I needed and everything that I had run away from. <laughs> yeah, that's that's beautiful. I can relate to that, except I did find homeschooling really, really tough. Everything though is a is a lesson and I needed to learn patience. <laughs> did I learn it? I don't know. Still going on that one. That's one of my big lessons. Uh, I, though, if you're asking about my experiences, I had everything peel away around within a period of a few years, around the same time, all of my foundations were rocked and I felt very untethered to anything. Can you tell us the story? Because I just gave a pricey, but I would love to hear it. And I think it's, it's quite a, a, a huge story. Well, it depends which one you mean, but it's the the, the, headline. the career, the parenting. The, yeah, the well, there's actually more to it than that. But I probably won't be able to go into all of it, both for time and also there's those parts you you have to keep to yourself. But in the headline act is that I left the family home with my two children. So I left their father and fled the home with my two little boys, age four and six at the time. Uh, so there was that. And you can imagine all of that comes with that. And I've written about that in my book, The Single Mother's Social Club. And then I lost my job, but I don't say lost my job. It was actually released from my job because I'd been very dissatisfied in that job for some time. It had served me well for many years. Uh, As you say, I was a news presenter. But the last few years it had been my inner self had been shouting at me that this was not right for me and I was hanging in there anyway and so when you do that then the universe will step in and so I was uh, retrenched along with a lot of people in the in the media industry at the start of COVID and that was a blessing for me I'd already started my book I already had the the book deal for that so it gave me the space to do that I was homeschooling I needed that time to heal and recover from so many things but however it meant that my my income was gone and so was my identity. I was and about so to was say, surely it was the purpose. identity. A little bit. I can talk about that more as as well. But, yeah, so a lot of things got rocked at the same time. I, I suddenly had no assets and uh, I was just the only two people I felt, and I don't say this to be a victim because, in fact, I've worked through, I did realise I was in a lot of victim mentality for a while and I've worked through that. So I don't say this in victim mode, but I really genuinely felt and still feel actually that the only two people who care about me in the world really are my two children and they are too young to (laughs) bear that responsibility. But I, there was also family estrangement in the middle of all of this and I won't go into more detail on that, but that was probably more painful than any of it because you don't expect that. So it's been a really hard time. That is the upshot of it. Would you, uh, do you I, have you heard of the concept of this dark night of the soul? I've been there, yeah. Yeah, so would you relate it to that? Because Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's and what I'm hearing. It. That's what I'm hearing. So I just wanted to ask. And, and that's yes. the thing, you know, you could definitely learn more about if you wanted to, if you're listening to this and, you know, what are we talking about? But it doesn't get darker than that. <laughs> just in, that's well, it cool. does for people. That's it. I mean, it actually isn't. The, you know, nobody, as I told myself, nobody died. I mean, my father did die also in the middle of all of this. But mm. I, so somebody did die. And that was obviously another rocking of my, my foundations. Mm. Uh, but I had the literal night, dark nights of the soul where I was on the floor in the middle of the night, I write about this quite graphically in my book, in the Single Mother Social Club, because I, wrote, I included that because I think people will relate. 
And I was in absolute despair. I didn't know what to do. At the time, I was reading uh, Michael Singer's books. I don't know if anyone listening knows these, but if not, they're really powerful books called The Untethered Soul is one of them. And then The Surrender Experiment is another. My kinesiologist put me on to these books. Kinesiology, by the way, has saved me. That's another conversation. So in The Untethered Soul, Michael Singer talks about surrendering and just giving over to the universe and allowing that witness self to observe ourselves down here because that's that that's our truth that's that's who we truly are and so i was i read this i read a lot of spiritual books as you know there's quite a few behind me here and i read them and i often get the theory and think oh that's that's bring, brings me peace that thought but this time with nowhere else to go and with nothing else left in the tank, I decided, all right, I'll try it on. Oh. So I just, in the middle of the night, said, all I right. I can feel so this. Right. I can really feel this. I, I know what you're saying. I'm, yeah. Thank a lot God of people you had that book. That, that, thank there. God you had that guidance. Yes. And it works. I just said, I, I surrender. Please, please, God, help me. And I'm not religious. Well, it depends what you call religion. But I was praying to... Uh, just somebody up there the universe god a higher source whatever you want to call it and i said just help me i don't know what to do and in that moment i felt some peace just wash over me it didn't mean that i was was done and oh i feel better now i just knew that i could sleep that night that was enough for then and then it sounds very similar to that experience uh, elizabeth um the writer from Eat, Pray, Love. Elizabeth Gilbert, yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert. And I remember reading that book after my first divorce and not quite understanding because, you know, she really, she broke. Uh, she was, the author really broke and she had this big cathartic experience. And I still ran away. I ran away. I ran away. I did the same after my second divorce and then eventually hit me. But what you're talking about, that experience of being on the ground in despair, that sounds that sounds familiar. And until you're there, I don't think, until you surrender, I don't think anything changes, right? Yeah, it's a really powerful practice. I do it often now. In fact, I do it every morning. So I meditate twice a day. That's part of my Vedic meditation practice that's what is required because nothing is required I'm just doing a lot of the air quotes at the moment aren't I Uh, but this is a podcast so I just did air quotes (laughs) and so every morning after my meditation practice which I've just done now I surrender I always do that that gesture and sometimes it's quick because I'm rushing I surrender just quick at the end what and a beautiful practice. I'm going to that tomorrow. Yeah, well, look, you're just saying to the universe, I'm, I'm just surrendering to the flow, which doesn't mean I don't get out of the day and forget that. But at least if I start the day like that, I think the intention is there. And I find that it has been what, is, what has saved me and allowed what I've gone through. And again, I speak relatively because I know people have been through a lot worse than I have, but that was my, uh, that was my reckoning one of there are probably more to come that was one of my big reckonings and out of that I could have it's sink or swim and I decided to swim I could have sunk there was a lot there that could have sent me under Uh, but I found that inner strength because when you've got nowhere else to turn outside for validation which I didn't 
you, you can't you can't keep looking for it outside. I had to go within. Again, it sounds cliche, but I know what I, I mean by that now. I've read that in books, but now I know what I mean. I had to go within and I had to find the strength within because no one else was going to give it to me. And I learned that the hard way. I, I'm One of the things that I, I do want to talk about is that, you know, obviously you've touched on it. Books are an important, important part of your life and they've saved you. You wrote an amazing book, um, which is its own episode. but And then what you've done recently, which is so beautiful and such a gift, is the Spiritual Book Club. And I think that this is the most innovative idea that I have heard on a digital platform for a long time. Can you share what you're doing? Because what you're talking about is is literally opening a door to a universe that could potentially like transform your life. That means so much to me to hear you say it like that, Baha. Thank you. And I remember when we saw each other at Kamalaya, it was uh, October of 2022. I was telling you about the concept then, and it was just a concept, but I've done a little bit of work on it. And now here it is. And so I really, it means a lot to me to hear you. And you launched with Gabby Bernstein. In that way. Yes, I did. So I had, I decided to create the Spiritual Book Club because these are the books that I like to read. And a lot of the books behind me on my floating bookshelf there and stacked here, a lot of them, most of them are what we call spiritual books or inspirational type books. And they're the books that have saved me, lifted me up, help me find presence, help me find myself, help me understand myself better, get perspective on the world, brought me calm, so many things. And so I was looking for a book club like that because there are so many wonderful book clubs around and they certainly went off during COVID, didn't they? And I couldn't find one like that. And so I thought, well, why don't I start one? And originally it was, I'll start one with friends. And then I had to do some work on myself to shift the idea that I couldn't have a business, that I couldn't create a business. I look at people like you and think, how extraordinary they're running a business. Who could do that? And so I did some work actually with my kinesiologist on that identity I had around, but I'm not a business person. I'm a journalist. And once I helped clear that, I'm still going with that a little bit, but then I, then it opens up more avenues. And I realized that I could do this. And so I decided to make it a business. The reason I did that is because I wanted to bring this to a wider audience. I know that if I like these kind of books, if they fill me up, it's the same for others. So I want to introduce these books to a wider audience, but also this community. That's, that's what I was going to say. The thing I like about this concept is even if you've never read a spiritual book in your life, I think it's a beautiful introduction to it. If you're, you know, a diehard spiritual book reader, um, spiritualist, if you're on that journey, you're going to love this club. But I think it's a really beautiful idea to have these soulful conversations that perhaps we didn't give us, we didn't have time for, we didn't have the right entry into. And it's such a beautiful, gracious business that you've created. It's going to, you know, it it saved you reading the right book at the right time. I can absolutely assure you that a book saved my life and the book, my spiritual book that saved my life is the most you wouldn't imagine that I read it. And not only do I read it, I read it every night. I open it up to a page every single night. And it's what is it? uh, The Game of Life and How to Play It by oh, yeah. Lawrence Scovel Shin. Yeah. And I have I it have by it. my bed. 
Um, it's a tiny little book, but I, the book that I have is actually three of her books together. Yeah. Your word, uh, your, uh, uh, the Game of Life and How to Play It, Your Word is Your Wand, and um, then a whole bunch of affirmations. I'm trying at the to end. find mine, but it's there somewhere. Yes. Anyway, it sits next to my bed. It's written in very old English. It was mm-hmm. written at the turn of the century. It's very biblical and it's quite, I am not religious at all. Um, I love this book. This book gives me peace. This book gives me comfort. This book gives me eight hours sleep. Mm-hmm. And I totally get it. And it was introduced to me. Uh, by a therapist who who does work on a metaphysical level and I've also seen a kinesiologist too and I absolutely agree that they are magical magical practitioners but when you say books can save your life I believe it and I love what you're doing I love what you're doing you're introducing new conversations did you find spirituality late or did you always have it in you? When I look back, I think it was always there. I was just always curious about, you know, those big esoteric questions that you ask as kids about the meaning of life. So I'd always had that. I had a very uh, tragic experience when I was 18 and my first love died. I was almost 19. And you can imagine how hard that hit. Wow. I felt great teary life. just hearing you say Yes, and he was also my best friend. So you, at a very young age when a lot of people have are still are just enjoying their lives and haven't faced the darkness, I had that happen. And so I am very close to his mum and sisters and I remember at the time his mum lent me a couple of books and talked about some books and I a spiritual type books. And so that's probably what, that triggered another layer of me starting to search about what else was out there because I couldn't believe that was the end. I couldn't, I had to find some meaning in why I had been with Simon and why he, he'd chosen me and why we'd had this beautiful love. And then he was gone. I had to find meaning in that. So that that sent me further down that path. So I've always had those kind of books going on. And when I open some of these books behind me I've written in the front the year that I bought them I don't know why I did that but I love that I did because I can see how long that book's been with me so just recently I pulled out The Road Less Travelled and it had I think 1996 in the front and I've got The Artist's Way from 1995 and there's so many others so it's always been there but where it got absolutely escalated my spiritual journey as you call it was when I learned to meditate without doubt but obviously even the fact that I sought that out means I was searching for something and that was when I was pregnant with my first son Jasper and he's now 13 so there you go that's how long I've been doing it and I went and saw Tim Brown I learned to meditate and I did that because I with this belly in front of me thought I don't trust myself to be a good mother my self-esteem was at that lowest, that low point where I didn't think I had it in me to love someone else or be good to someone else. And so I learned to meditate to help me with that. Wow. Thank goodness I did. It was the greatest gift. And then I have never stopped. I don't think I've missed a day in that time. And that is because it is my absolute life force. Do you think you'll get your kids um, to learn with Tim? I did get my oldest to learn when he was about five. I think he was a bit too young because yeah. Tim does teach children at that age, but my kids are a bit distracted like that. 
they're rejecting a lot of what I what I do. They'll say, oh, you and your spiritual stuff, mum. So we'll just see where they go with that themselves. That's their journey. But I hope that a lot of what I learn, what I'm learning as I go is is being passed on to them by osmosis, even if I don't realize it. Yes, my what dad is- meditated since he was 18. He did TM and he practices Ayurveda as well. And we have only ever known my dad, who's a very, you know, successful, prominent scientist, uh, to meditate twice a day. My mum poo-poos his meditation and has done for the entire time they've been together. But no, dad rolls up every morning. We just know that that's who he is. That's what he does. And, you know, when we were young, he took us to learn meditation and Ayurveda. And, you know, some of it we practice religiously. Some of it my brother and I rejected, but we come back to it. So, yeah, I do believe they learn by osmosis. I think I'm sure they're watching you and they know. Yeah. And when it's their time, they'll it'll be of interest to them. I hope so. but then again you also learn that at some point you have to let that go with children you can only do what you can do and I also know that being a mother has been a a spiritual journey in itself and so they've come into my life for that reason as well for, for me to do all that growing because when it's just you you can decide to cut corners but when you've got well, in my case, two others who are looking to me, I have, I was going to say had to, but I have to, I still am having to commit to keep growing and keep evolving and keep stepping up constantly, constantly, always, so that I can be a better mother for them, so that I can give them a better start. And I fail all the time and I drop the ball all the time. But I think the gift we have when we do this kind of work is awareness that we know when we're doing that and we can see, we can be conscious of that. And I can go to my kids and say, I, I didn't get that right, which makes me teary. Um, but I don't know why that's making me emotional, but I, I love that we have that, that gift now. It's okay to be wrong and it's okay to say sorry and it's okay to correct ourselves and, and do better. You talk about meditation and obviously the spiritual book club is um, an extension of your kind of spiritual awakening and your desire to take the tools that have helped transform your life to other people. What are the other practices that you are you have incorporated into your life and you feel really work? It's not as I, I, I'm not as some spiritual guru. <laughs> So it's not. No, no, as- I'm interested in all all practices. Uh, yeah. you know, I ask people what injectables they have, what surgery they have, what practices they have, what vitamins they take, because I genuinely believe we can learn from each other. So your practice might be, you know, burning a nice essential oil when you go and have a bath. I'm curious because I really believe that by telling stories and sharing our own little, you know, cheat sheet for feeling better, looking better, being better. Um, We're sharing some really good wisdom. Yeah, uh, and I really want to share that with you. I was just just clarifying that I'm not a spiritual guru and the reason, which goes without saying, the reason I I say that is because I want people to know that I'm just a 
a mum doing the thing. And then therefore, if I can incorporate some, a few spiritual practices into my day, we all can. Uh, I don't have a dedicated meditation spot with candles all around me. And I just, I just try to incorporate it where I can. I sometimes meditate in the car, not while I'm driving, I should clarify, but wherever I can find a spot. So I do my twice daily meditation. And sometimes I do some yoga stretches as well. And that's that's it. That's my foundation. If I then have time, I might journal. And I do that because I'm a bit lazy like this But if with these practices. But I just know that enough people talk about the benefits of journaling. I've read The Artist's Way, which is she talks, Julia Cameron talks about doing morning pages, stream of consciousness writing. So I know the benefits. And so maybe two mornings a week, when there's a bit of a window, I'll go, all right, I'll do the journaling. Okay. So I kind of force myself. And then when I do, I'm always glad I did because something will, there'll be some nugget of an idea or a resolution or some clarity or some peace that I get through that. And what else is my spiritual practice? I walk in nature where I can. I live near the bush and I, and I always do that. Well, I always do that. I do that about three or four mornings a week, often listening to a podcast uh, and an inspirational type podcast and that's kind of the that's the foundation but the biggest spiritual practice is being a mum as I mentioned and starting this business starting a business has been such a big growth for me having to be accountable and the buck stops with me and I what I need to do this for my growth but I need to do it for our welfare as a family as well I'm doing this to make money for me and my children as well as all the other benefits. And so it it's means that I uh, absolutely am driven to, to make this work and I'm glad I've got that motivation because otherwise I might let it go by the wayside. Did you, as a result of your um, dark night of the soul or your renaissance, we might call it, what happened afterwards, did you look different did you find that because I thought that that was a really bizarre side effect my physiology completely changed I'm saying no to me because yeah I've I haven't paid much attention to my body so I have I'm not good with what I eat (laughs) I eat a lot of chocolate I don't drink alcohol though or coffee or tea so that not that they're bad things but I'm just curious as to what did did you notice any physical transformation because often when we have you know those big moments in our life whether it be stress so you know or it might be like an awakening I do feel like there's a shift so when I was in that in period of intense stress where I I really was worried that my body was going to give out on me um I look different. My eyes looked haunted. My skin had a completely different pallor. My body was was so different to now. Um, and I went through menopause at the same time as going through that dark night of the soul. Uh, and then when I came out the other end, lots of people said I looked like 10 years younger. And it was not from, yeah, I mean, I changed a few lifestyle things, but it was as if the my physiology changed and I became who I was meant to be. So I lost a lot of weight, but in a good, healthy way. Um, the shape of my face seemed to change. My tone of my voice changed. Um, I, I like to think the, the softness 
my skin became softer because I always think, you know, my heart became softer. So other things softened, but I had a physical transformation as a result of that, you know, overcoming that part of my life. And I'm, I'm curious, did you have anything similar to that? So I was just thinking, you're probably more aware of that because that's your, that's your, uh, that your business and what you're passionate yeah. about. I don't pay attention to that so much. However, and that would be reflected with in other people. Maybe other people notice. However, I do feel a lot more alive. And so we calculated I've been meditating for about 14 years. So I could say then definitely then in the last 14 years, I've felt more connected, more in my body, more alive, more I notice that I'm more present for sure. And I find more joy in the things around me. And so when I talk about walking in nature, I am lit up by what I see around me and so and I have so much energy and so much vitality and people are always saying to me actually how do you fit it all in and that never seems I to think be about that when I think of you all the time I just go whoa <laughs> how does she do it but it doesn't seem to be a problem my life moves at a pretty easy pace actually and that's meditation again time stretches when you meditate I don't know the science behind that. I think it's about. Well, I did an episode with Tim on the podcast. So in case you're curious, because Jacinta, you have sold Tim Brown Vedic meditation so well on this episode. And I totally attest to it. I would really encourage you to listen to that episode again, if you've already listened to it, because the science of meditation and what you're saying occurred in your life are absolutely beautiful testimony to that one thing that can change how you are and how you turn up. And in fact, I'll say on that, that I didn't have menopausal symptoms at all. And I didn't even know I'd been through it. So I just pays so little attention to my body. I didn't, I didn't know either. I, I know, but mine was because I was stupid, not so much that I didn't have any symptoms. I just thought all of the symptoms were from the stress in my life. But do you think that you didn't experience any of those or they were reduced because you were meditating? Yeah, and so I, I want to clarify that because, you know, I know people just listen sometimes in sound bites. And so this is not me saying, you know, that can be really annoying when you hear someone say that. I'm saying for me, I think it is because of the meditation reduced side effects. In my case, I didn't have any. I put it down to that. So it doesn't mean everyone's going to have that experience, but I think uh, it minimizes so many of the physiological things in our life when you meditate because when you're, when you're, I don't know the science behind it, as I say, I just go in and do it. But, but when, when you meditate, it has an impact on your physiology yes, for yes. sure. That's proven. Your hormonal system, your, uh, your endocrine system is absolutely soothed by it. Your metabolism changes, uh, all, all of your uh, physiology is affected by regular meditation. That is, that's the truth. And the, to one time I tested the physiological um, aspect of it was I had my first nose job. I've had two. My first one was when I was 17, just about to turn 18. My second one was 25 because I had my first one too young. Um, so I had to get re-supported. But I had just learned meditation just before going in for this surgery and anyone who knows anything about this surgery it's pretty full on and you bruise black and blue so under your eyes and you swell so I meditated I did uh two times 20 minute uh tm 
in the hospital, when I came out of hospital, I never bruised. They broke my nose and I had rhinoplasty and I never bruised. My recovery was so fast, but my surgeon didn't understand and couldn't put it down to anything. He just didn't know why my recovery was so good. So fast forward, you know, 30 years when I had um, abdominoplasty a year and a half ago, um, they were like sending me home with endone and uh, all sorts of painkillers because it is a brutal surgery. I thought to myself, okay, I'm not going to take the endone because that's addictive and it's awful. Uh, I will take painkillers and I'm going to step up on the meditation again. So I did my twice daily meditation. When I got COVID, I doubled down on my meditation and my, like the practices that I know, like help and the Ayurvedic practices. And all I can say is in my experience, the science of meditation resulted in physiological improvements and coping mechanisms that I was able to see and measure. For sure. Yeah. Can I ask you, now that you're on the other side, you've launched your business, you've written an exceptionally great and useful book, and you're now recommending through your spiritual book club, great transformative books. Um, What are you going to do for you for the next chapter or the next half of your life? So for chapter, I'll say seven years since we're on a theme. And for the rest of your life, I'll say for the next 50 years. But what are your new kind of aspirations, goals, dreams? Oh, that's a really thoughtful question. I wish I had an hour to go and think on that in general on that. However, you want an answer now. So first thing that springs to mind is two things. One is the business itself, because doing that is is a joy to me to show that I can create something like this and something I never thought I could do. So that's bringing me, I'm actually really fulfilled by that. You know, they say, do what you love. I love doing that. Um, These books behind me, being able to read those as part of my business and share those is is a joy. The other thing is joy. I realise I haven't had a lot of joy in my life for quite some time. And I miss that and I want more of that. Recently, I went out to a dance class with some friends. And I I saw you do that. That looked fun random things and they were going and said come with us and it reminded me I was in the dance class and I was almost moving me to tears because it reminded me of how much I love dancing and the last time I was in a choreographed dance was when I was in year 11 at school and I'd gone to the boys school uh, and it was I was in a production of West Side Story in the chorus and it brought those memories back of being choreographed in this dance because because I was being choreographed in this class. We had a routine by the end of class. And then as I was thinking about that West Side Story production, I just looked at the girl next to me and did a double take because this girl was also in the same West Side Story production with me. When we were back at high school, we weren't at the same school, so I haven't seen her in all that time. So I don't know what... There she was in the dance class next next to me while we were having this. I always think it's time travel when we do these, when we have that feeling of things returning to us. I think a certain part of us time travels and our cells actually think that we're right there. Yeah, it was, I don't know what it was, what the sign was, but it was definitely something. You called her in. 
of all the classes in all the towns in all the world I was there and 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 I was back to when you're a jet you're a jet all the way and I was straight back to the the thing the dance routine and then there was someone who did that with me and I turned to her and said Penny I was just thinking about West Side Story and it was like time had stood still so I think that is just the universe endorsing that saying yes this is this is something that brings you joy just remember that remember who you were as a teenager when you did those things I've always done acting and uh studied acting wanted to be an actor at many stages of my life and so that brings me joy so maybe I'll start returning to acting classes but I've got to I've got to find that within myself because for too many years I've been in serious mode, holding it together mode, even these last survival few, mode, right? Survival oh. mode, thank you. And even in these last few years when we've talked about all the spiritual work, yes, that's been necessary and has helped heal, heal the pain and the trauma actually, and has has helped me uh recalibrate of the kind of out of alignment life I'd been living. But now it's time to have a bit of fun. I'd love that. So I don't know how to create that. So I'm I'm looking at that now. How do I create more joy in my life? That's what I want the next seven years plus to look like. It's not too late, is it? No, it's never too late. It's never, ever too late. I think back and... Would I wish the last seven years on myself again? No way. I am so happy to be out of that seven-year cycle. And and you know what? I'll tell you something I learned from my Dark Night of the Soul and from the work that I've done on myself and the books that I've read is I used to always disown parts of myself. So if there was a period of my life that I didn't like, I'd get rid of the photos. I would not talk about those times. I would not talk about those people. And I would essentially disown that entire experience and I wouldn't feel it. And so it would pop up again in some version of it, maybe not in the next seven-year cycle, but, you know, 21 years after after the fact. And what I've learned in the past three years is to love and own and value all of those experiences, all of those people, uh, all of the good times and all of the bad times. And I genuinely do. I actually have no malice in my heart for any of it, but most of all, not for myself. I, I forgave myself. I can giggle at versions of myself that did some stupid things and thought that, you know, they were so good or sophisticated or, or healthy. And I just look at her and go, you know what? At least I know. I took that dark part of myself for a walk. I took her out for a dance. I put her on a boat in Greece with a hot young Dutch guy. And I'm glad I had that experience. I don't berate myself and think, oh my God, why did I do that? I lost, you know, years of my life being stupid. I just go, you know what? I needed it. I needed that adventure. I needed that lesson. It's going to make me a better mother when my daughter comes to me and says, mom, you know, I want to move to uh, Mykonos because I've met some guy and I go, I'm going to have the empathy and the understanding of what my daughter is going through instead of living in a bubble. So I, that has been the biggest lesson for me to love and own all of the ugly parts of myself, to look at those photos, to 
re-listen to that music, to go back to those places where my heart was broken or where I was sad or I acted out and go, you know what? It's all part of me and I like all of me. And I genuinely do now. That's extraordinary. I'm hearing that thinking, oh, I'm not there yet. There are there are boxes of photos that I've just put aside that I can't go there because it it is it can it's painful too because of um, you know loss that you that that you might have experienced since then or even if it was what I find is even if it was a a fun and joyful time I don't want to be reminded of it because then I will miss that and so yeah I get it I there's another totally layer to peel off I realize it, and than- it is the funnest layer to peel off because you you literally. You own all of yourself. You like, and I do this little spiritual exercise that I invented, um, which I will share with you if you would like, if you would like Lots to try this. Always. <laughs> okay. So basically I close my eyes and I take myself to that moment as an observer. And so I observe myself in that particular situation and I do five rounds of Ho'oponopono, which is a, a Hawaiian um, spiritual Uh, And it's, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. So I do that five times to myself as I'm witnessing an event or something that happened. And then I witness what happens. And then I say to myself, that version of myself, are you ready to come home? And then I stretch out my arms in my mind's eye if I can't do it physically. And that version of me comes and merges with my current version of me. And that memory, that experience is healed. And I've been doing that now for, let's say, two years. And it it's amazing. It's It's been so healing. And I can, gen, I'm, I love both my ex-husbands. I love, um, I have love in my heart for business people who have done the wrong thing by me because I, I now take responsibility and I understand what I learned from it, who I was in that experience. I, you know, people who've betrayed me, stolen from me, lied to me, made me feel less than I was, bullied me, all of those things. I I play a game with myself every day. How many parts of myself can I heal? How many moments can I go back to and love up? And I go back and I love myself up and I love that person up and I bring it back into me and off I go. So. <laughs> oh, I am taking that. That is amazing. How many parts of myself can I forgive? Was that was that love up? Love up. Love up. Yeah, oh. bring back to me. Yeah, bring back. That is so powerful. It's quite cool. There's a book in that. Yeah. Well, I wrote one. My first book was called Rescue Me, and the title says it all. I was lost. I wanted to be rescued. Um, but yeah. It was so wonderful speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Baha. I, I really enjoyed this conversation because it's the kind of conversation we'd be having anyway. So hopefully people can take something from it listening in. I'm going to put all of the links. I'm going to put the link to the Spiritual Book Club uh, into this podcast episode and also link to your beautiful book, uh, The Single Mother's Social Club with many aha moments, many, many aha moments. And I'm so pleased we're friends. What a see Kamalaya delivers again. Yeah, what a gift that was. Came out of nowhere. Have a beautiful day, Jacinta. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. See you soon.
Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 